You're listening to RTI Audio, powered by Rocky Top Insider. This is the RTI Press Pass with Rick Butler and Ryan Shumpert. And welcome to the Rocky Top Insider Press Pass Podcast. My name is Rick Butler, joined as always by Ryan Shumpert as we are here to break down a little bit of the world of Tennessee athletics. And boy, it has been quite a week in that world. Really, when you think about it, you think about the month of November. It's not been too kind to Tennessee athletics as a whole, but we're going to start to break it all down today. A little bit of a different setup than usual, as I'm sure you can tell with us just by hearing this. I am in my castle. Ryan, you are over in yours. How are you doing today, my friend? Doing well. Doing well. Back in uh, Middle Tennessee and getting a head head start uh, on getting down to Nashville for a football game on Saturday. Yeah, that's a good point. We also have Thanksgiving uh, in the middle right there, so that'll be nice. And I'm sure we'll get into a little Thanksgiving talk a little bit later on down the road. But hey, the thing about it is that people are going to have a lot of Thanksgiving talk on Thursday. I think what people want to hear about right now it's probably a little bit of Tennessee football, Ryan. There's a lot going on in the world right now. And frankly, there everything, I shouldn't say everything, but I, I guess I can say most things in the world of Tennessee football right now does not look how it looked like back in the beginning of the season or even the middle of the season. Tennessee is certainly facing some adversity heading into this final two, uh, final game, really final two-game stretch of the season. Ryan, they lost their quarterback, Hendon Hooker, to an ACL uh, injury against South Carolina. They've lost two th- two out of three games, and the playoffs are now out the door and out the window. What do you kind of what's your what's your real reaction to what's happened? What's transpired for Tennessee football over the past four days or so, really since that South Carolina loss? Okay, well let's let's focus on the South Carolina side of it first, I guess. And okay. you know, I think four years later, what is still a very very shocking loss, very surprising. Did not you know they're. No excuses, really, for what Tennessee let happen, especially the defensive side of the ball for the play as poorly as they did against South Carolina for a very average Gamecocks offense and Spencer Rattler, who had been probably below average even for most season to the play as well as they did against Tennessee. Really a bad effort, really disappointing performance. This one, that one will sting for Tennessee for a long time, but I think you start uh, you know, maybe do you want to tackle Jeremy Banks situation? Let's tackle Jeremy Banks situation. Okay, let's go for it. He obviously was think? not he was not there on Saturday. Uh Josh Heupel has been very dismissive of the comments, not dismissive of the player or uh anything like that. Just is not willing to give away anything. Only would say that he just wasn't available. Uh, you know, but there was a a word or two, and I can even go back and find it, but I did feel like there was maybe a word or two in his comment on Monday talking about it that maybe hinted at a little bit of, uh, I, man, this is tricky because I don't, I don't exactly know what the word to use here, uh, but maybe a little bit of dissension in the locker room. I, I at least felt like I don't necessarily know if you can go ahead and say that confidently or anything like that, and we don't want to speculate too much into that, but I did feel like maybe there was a word or two that maybe leads you p- to believe in that direction. What about you? No, I mean, I, I think there was some sort of altercation. You know, I don't know what happened it was what caused it but it certainly 
Josh Heibel had no denials uh, for the fact that Jeremy Banks was suspended for the fact that there was some sort of altercation. I can't remember what the exact was that was used. To me, you know, uh, that's that's what I think. Uh, some some of that happened and led to Banks being suspended. I guess what I would say about the incident now we're a few days removed is I don't think this is why Tennessee lost to South Carolina. I guess it's not small <laughs> enough in general. I don't think yeah. Tennessee lost to South Carolina because the team hated each other or anything like that. And I don't think Tennessee lost to South Carolina because Jeremy Banks didn't play. Jeremy Banks probably would have helped South Carolina, but I don't think he was three stops of a difference, which is what Tennessee would have needed to make that game, you know, really tight at the end. So I think something happened. I think that's certainly not a good sign, not something that you would want to happen. But at the same time, I don't think that's what caused Tennessee to lose. I don't think that was an overwhelming issue for the team either, you know, going into the game last week. Obviously, that was something that's happened. They didn't want to happen. But I don't think that's – I think that's – ever ever since the game, all the talk has been very heavy on that and for good reason because it's, you know, secretive. It is an interesting thing that happened. But I don't think – its weight on the game maybe has is equal to the weight that people are, have been discussing it this week. Yeah. I, I would echo a lot of what you just said. And I, and I think that obviously with it being a little bit of a tricky subject, there, there are tough ways to navigate it, but I think that everything you said pretty much hits the nail on the head. Uh, and, and here are those comments from Monday that I was referring to a minute ago, just to not leave people high and drought there. This is exactly what Josh Heupel said about the situation. It was short and sweet. He said, quote, we anticipate Jeremy being with us here this week. You know, as far as what transpired and those types of things, at the end of the day, he he wasn't available this Saturday. And that was the end of that quote. So I do think that there's a little bit of something there. But to your point, Ryan, I, I agree. I, I don't think that maybe that one altercation uh, derailed the the locker room culture at, at, at you know, within, within Tennessee's football program or anything like that. And especially when you look back at this, at the loss on Saturday, you're right. The loss was not because Jeremy Banks was absent for the game. I, I think there were a lot of reasons for it. it. One of those being, hey, the defense overall just could not stop South Carolina's offense, scoring on nine of ten drives. That is uh, unheard of. Uh, that is an absolutely insane statistic as well. So there were a lot of reasons for defeat. But ultimately, now Tennessee is in a position where they have to pick themselves back up. They got to bounce back against a, a team that's surging in Vanderbilt. And we'll talk about that a little uh, a little bit later on, but. Ryan, is that kind of the sense that you're getting as well? Just kind of, hey, we've heard from the players the last couple of days. They're they're trying to come together, trying to figure this thing out. But ultimately, they know what's still at stake for them and what's still possible. I think that's right. And I, you know, even with all that, I, you know, I think this is a huge challenge this week for for both Tennessee and specifically Josh Heupel. I mean, he's done so much really good this year, and they've accomplished so much. Not going to accomplish everything they wanted to, and certainly. That's going to be disappointing for high it is for the fans as it is for the team. While there's still more out there to get this week, I just think it's a very difficult task for Heifel to be able to manage his team, keep everybody locked. In. They're not playing for near what they were playing for last week. And I think the most important thing, maybe the biggest challenge, is you don't have Hinton Hooker. He is the better on your football team. He plays the most important position on your football team. He's the leader of your football team. I mean, all those things. And, you know, I think if – Hinton Hooker was healthy. He hadn't torn his ACL, wasn't out for the rest of the season. I don't think we would look at his Vanderbilt game. At least I wouldn't look at it. Other people might not be looking at it, even Hooker out. The game is a tough task or a challenge somewhere where Tennessee could slip up. But I just think we know how much how important quarterbacks are in college football. That it's just it's not going to be easy. And I think you saw that by the fact that the last two weeks Tennessee was what twenty seven was it. Around three touchdown favorites against yes. South Carolina and Missouri both. I can't remember what the number was. Yeah. Right around a 21 number. 
They're at least 14 point favorites over Vanderbilt this week. And probably even with Vanderbilt losing some games, I imagine they're viewed no better than South Carolina or Missouri is by, by Las Vegas odds makers. So uh, I think that's a big difference. And I think this will be a, a challenge for Joe Milton and a challenge for Tennessee. I mean, you just look at all of the teams that have lost games this season without their starting quarterback. Uh, Kentucky lost to South without Will Levis. Arkansas has lost a lot of games. KJ Jefferson hasn't played. They look like a completely different team when KJ Jefferson played. They smoked Ole Miss. Obviously, there's probably – there could be some stuff going on behind the scenes, certainly at Ole Miss, too, uh, as it appears Lane will be departing. Uh, at least that's the rumor. You know, It could seems be. like that's likely. We'll see what happens. Yeah. Uh, I'm rambling on now, but I think it's a, a big task for Josh Heupel and his staff this weekend, a big opportunity and test for Joe Milton to make a step of winning the job for next season. Yeah, ultimately, this is a situation that, you know, Tennessee just hasn't been in before. Not that they're coming off of a loss because they've come, they've come off of plenty of losses in the Josh Heupel era, but none as resoundingly defeating as I think that last week's was. So you're right. I'm really interested to see this week how the team picks themselves back up and how they get themselves ready for another road game. We've seen that Tennessee has not really responded entirely well following the LSU to following the LSU game to those road environments. So how are they going to come back? How are they going to react to that Vanderbilt stadium uh, First Bank Stadium, excuse me, is going to be sold out for this game. Now, I do believe that that number is under 50,000. So, you know, it's not nearly going to be, be a lot more the, orange than. Yeah. It's going to be a lot more orange than there's going to be black and gold in there. So I don't think it's going to be an intimidating environment by any means. I do too. But I will be interested, you know, at least a little bit. I, I at least want to see a little bit how Tennessee fans travel. Don't get me wrong. I, I fully expect them to head over to the mid-state. And anybody who is maybe west of Nashville, this is going to be a great opportunity for them to see Tennessee if they didn't go down to Death Valley or something like that. But I do kind of wonder, you know, I at least know a couple people myself who, who are saying, you know what, I was planning on going to that game, but with it being Thanksgiving week, with it not being a win, with Hendon Hooker not being there, I've kind of changed my plans up a little bit. So not that I'm expecting, a, you know, Vanderbilt to uh, absolutely pack that stadium or even for Tennessee to have an underwhelming showing, but I am at least a little bit interested in that. I, I don't know. It, it could be something. Yeah, I think it's enough to drive the ticket prices down a little bit, you know. Uh, but I don't think it's going to be enough for not. To okay. There's a lot of Tennessee fans. Fair. There's a lot of Tennessee fans in Nashville that I think will be willing. There's at least over forty thousand, whatever that stadium seats. So I, I think there will still be plenty of orange and a big, big crowd. Goodness knows, there's been worse Tennessee teams that have had packed uh, what used to be Vanderbilt Stadium. Was it First Bank? What's the stadium name now? Yes, Vanderbilt. that's it right there, First Bank. First Bank, yeah. So. Uh, there have been Tennessee teams that have filled First Bank Vanderbilt Stadium up with, with orange in this one. So I, even despite the uh, disappointing loss, I expect we'll, we'll, there'll be a ton of Tennessee fans there still. What you will be looking at is number 10 Tennessee taking on Vanderbilt. Vanderbilt, again, like we mentioned a second ago, surging a little bit. They've got two wins in their last two games, defeating Florida by a score of 31-24 to at home, and then going to Lexington and taking down Kentucky 24 to 21. Actually, the Kentucky game was before that, excuse me. Uh, but certainly a, a, a hot Vanderbilt team, a surging Vanderbilt team. Maybe more, maybe most importantly, a team that's fighting for bowl eligibility. I mean, this would be such a massive, massive win for Vanderbilt to think that if, if they could end their season, excuse me, it wouldn't be ending their season. It would be extending their season, right, with a yeah. win over Tennessee one that had been ranked number one in the in the college football playoffs at some point this year, 
this would mean everything for them. So I think when you think about that, certainly Vanderbilt's going to be playing hard. They have something to play for. I think you're right. Maybe it goes back a little bit. Tennessee needs to refine that motivation. And yes, it might not be uh, the same as it was for the playoffs or something like that, but they need to find something and bring it out of themselves or else, man, I I can see this thing maybe not going in the right direction for Tennessee. Yeah, you know, I think there will be uh, enough pride from a lot of the guys in the locker room that it shouldn't be a major issue. But again, I just think it's one of those things where if Hinton Hooker plays and you have Hinton Hooker active, you feel a lot about the motivation aspect of it because he is the leader of this team. But no, you're right. And I think just as important as Vanderbilt playing for bowl eligibility and, you know, what those two wins meant for that, I think it's they're even more important in this game from a standpoint. I think Vanderbilt believes, you know, there's three weeks ago, I don't think many players on that team could have looked at it with a straight face with truth serum and say, yeah, we can compete with Tennessee. And now I think everyone in that Vanderbilt locker room, I would imagine would be, yeah, we can win this game uh, because playing well, they've seen themselves win games with a, had done in three they hadn't seen them win games in, against the SEC opponents in three years and then you combine that with obviously Tennessee looking a little more human the last few weeks and, and certainly looking very poor last week at South Carolina and Hooker being out I think that becomes a, a major challenge and it'll be a Vanderbilt team that is playing for its season and, and will have I think a lot of belief that they can get it done and another thing that I would look at in this game we'll see what it looks like closer to in the week but you know right now it's like a 75% chance of rain Saturday night in Nashville and I think that plays more into Vanderbilt's uh, advantage. Obviously, Hinton Hooker isn't going to play, but Tennessee still wants to throw the ball a lot. And I expect Mike Wright, uh, Vanderbilt's rotated quarterback really all year, but Mike Wright started the last two weeks. I would expect him to start again this weekend. He's a really capable runner. So uh, I think that's another thing worth watching that, that probably at least a little bit plays into Vanderbilt's advantage of the forecast stay, end up staying the same. And we do get uh, some messy weather on Saturday night. Yeah, and I think that's another big thing. It, you know, depending on the weather or not, obviously it could present a little bit more of a challenge. But I think one of the important things for Tennessee is to really try to get Joe Milton going early. Tennessee has not been uh, great when it comes to the the fast starts that they've been looking for no. in these last couple of weeks. It, it's it's really gone the wrong way. And in both losses, obviously Georgia being a, a very, very talented team, so that one was going to be more challenging as is. But in both of those losses, you saw Tennessee fall behind the eight ball a little bit and then really struggle to climb back in. And I think that really puts a lot of pressure on their defense to make some stops rather than to just kind of keep the opposing offense at bay. So I, I think no matter what it is, right, if, if there's rain and you really need to feed the rock, maybe that's to Jabari Small, Jalen Wright, Dylan Sampson, Joe Milton, I would imagine, can use his legs a little bit, then go ahead and do that. If it's short passes uh, over the middle, maybe swing passes, whatever it is, make sure that Joe Milton feels comfortable in the pocket because ultimately, look, we know that he's gotten reps throughout the season so far in garbage time, and that's important for a moment like this. But this is going to be his first start since the Pittsburgh yeah. game uh, of 2021, right? The second game of the season. So this is going to be important to make sure that he is feeling comfortable. It's going to be interesting to see Tennessee's receiver rotation, right? Make sure that he's linked up with the guys that he's been working with. And frankly, I don't think that'll be a problem with some of the injuries in Tennessee's uh, wide receiver room right now. So that's kind of a key to the game for me. I I think no matter what it is and how the conditions are, make sure that you can get Joe Milton feeling comfortable in the pocket early because you can't really afford to have one of these bad starts again and be be playing from behind the eight ball. I think you're 100% right. I think if, if you're playing from behind early, that just immediately changes the tone of the game. I think it, it's very important for Tennessee to start fast in this game. And I think it'll be on the 
subject to Joe Milton, I think it'll be fascinating to see how they use him, how aggressive do they use his legs. And, and Heifel sounded like he would be uh, uh, when he talked to me on Monday, but Tavon Jackson, Tennessee's third string quarterback, it's third scholarship quarterback, is he uh, broke his collarbone in the UT Martin game. So he's not available. It's two walk ons behind Joe Milton. Uh, but I, I think that might lend, you know, Tennessee to being more conservative. But I think when you look at this game specifically, last game in a regular season, if you were to suffer any minor injury, you'd, you'd have a month to, to self help you for the bowl game. And I think it's just really important for Josh Eiffel, what I, you know, you talked about a few minutes ago to win this game. I think the vibe around and the narrative around the season changes dramatically if Tennessee drops this game. So I expect uh, Heupel will be aggressive using, excuse me, using Milton's legs. Really, to me, Joe Milton, again, like you said, it's hard to tell because it's mainly second, whole second half against really bad mop-up duty in a couple of SEC games. But when Joe Milton played, he to me, he's like a better runner uh, than he did last year. So uh, that's one thing that I'm, I'm curious to see. Do we need to uh, – do you think we need to get our audience familiar with Gaston Moore uh, a little bit? I mean, he he is the backup quarterback. Tennessee fans are fairly familiar with their backup quarterback of the last two years. I mean, a, a redshirt sophomore who came uh, to Tennessee with uh, with Josh Heupel and the staff from UCF, a, a big old kid, six foot two, 207 pounds, so far this season, one for one for 17 yards, a strike to Jack Jancic in the fourth <laughs> quarter of the Ball State game. The more you know, do to do. The more you know, and I'm the least surprising thing I heard was when that 17, uh, or was it 22 or 17 yards? 17, 17. That 17 yards went to Jack Jancic because all Jack Jancic ever does is make plays. Anytime I've ever watched Jack Jancic. He's making plays in the games and mop up duty, making plays. Scrimmage at the few times we get to watch spring game or a spring scrimmage. He's in there in the fourth quarter making plays. <laughs> the only times we ever get to see anything competitive happen uh, in fall practice is red zone, DBs, wide receivers, drills. And doggone it, Jack Chance excuse me, making a play in there too. So shout out Jack Chance. That doesn't surprise me that he was the one who caught that pass. Now, who knows? Maybe the uh... – Man, it feels like Tennessee would be in a pretty unfortunate situation if if that were to be uh, what were to happen on Saturday. So we'll kind of skip over to that. But either way, that's your backup for the week for uh, for Tennessee football. Ryan, let's – oh, go ahead. Yeah, the one thing I would just say, I, I wonder if Joe Milton doesn't play, if you'd see Princeton fan, uh, quarterback instead of, uh, instead of Gaston Moore, or maybe a little bit of both, but – uh, we know Princeton fan can run the ball. We've seen, we saw that arm in the UT Martin game, and yeah, I, th- I think you might see some wildcat with uh, some hope that he can throw it just enough to keep <laughs> defenses honest. Wow, what a what not a even honest, but a little bit honest. What a nightmare situation that would be. That that's yeah. that's obviously uh, uh, is it DefCon five? Is that the worst, or is DefCon one the worst? I think it's five, but I'm not sure. I know it's in the Santa Claus movie. Yeah, uh, I think Santa too. Claus two. I think it's the Santa Claus two movie, the opening scene. They're in DefCon or maybe ElfCon. ElfCon. Uh, I think, yeah, I think five's the worst, but I, I, I really don't know. Okay, well, we'll just say DefCon uh, five. We'll, we'll, we'll go with it, and if we're wrong, we're wrong. That's all right. Ryan, let's uh, let's go ahead and flip sides of uh, the football. Obviously, Tennessee's uh, defense. It's surprising that we're not talking about them first in this preview, but obviously, the quarterback just makes a huge deal. Ryan, this is a a unit that is in desperate need of a of a bounce back game. I, I mean, they got absolutely 
torched against South Carolina. The secondary was torched. The the defensive line had their pass rush, their their pressure on the quarterback was non-existent. Spencer Rattler just had all the time in the world to sit back to finders receivers. And, and by the time he did find them, they, they had been wide open for, for two or three seconds by that point. So this is really going to have to be a bounce back game for, for Tennessee. I, I There's a lot of things that I want to see, but maybe even starting with just get more pressure on the quarterback. I, I think when you've seen Tennessee be successful this year, that's been one of the biggest common threads. And when you have, when Tennessee has struggled, they've also struggled to get pressure on the quarterback. No, you're right. That has been a very common theme. And, you know, the negative way to look at it is this Vanderbilt offense, his pass offense has really been better than South Carolina most of the year, despite the fact that they've used two different quarterbacks. And I think that's what makes this game so hard is the last thing you saw was just how terrible Tennessee was against South Carolina. And, you know, surely you're not going to see that again. Uh, Tennessee's defense will be better. You think. I guess it's not a guarantee, but you would you would surely think. Uh, so to me, that's a big question. Really, both you know AJ Swan probably the freshman's probably been a little bit better throwing the ball to Mike Wright, who is expected to start uh, on Saturday's game. But uh, at the same time, uh, Mike Wright's still been solid. He can make plays through his legs. It kind of reminds me a little bit of what Brady Cook can do, and we saw Brady Cook beat Tennessee with his legs early in that game. Or really through the early third quarter in that game. So I think that'll be worth watching. And then I think you're right. The pass rush needs to be a lot better. But to me, it all starts with stopping the run, especially if the weather is messy. The Vanderbilt team just ran the ball well the last two weeks uh, against really a below average run defense in Kentucky and an average run defense in Florida. So I think it starts with stopping the run, getting uh, Vanderbilt in some passing downs, right, bringing pressure, whatever they have to do uh, to make Mike Wright uncomfortable because – Pass rush, it, it has to be better than it was last week at South Carolina. Yeah, it, it, it absolutely does. And I think there's – really, you can look all across the defense and say that it has to be better than it was against South Carolina. Yes. And that's not that's not obvious. It is, or it, excuse me, it is obvious, but it's not an exaggeration either because it, that's just kind of the reality that Tennessee is sitting in right now. And there are still things to play for on the line. I mean, you you do have an opportunity to play in a New Year's Six Bowl, and that's something that the players did talk about a little bit at the beginning of the week. I think Jabari Small even – uh, said that, hey, Josh Heupel mentioned that in the Sunday team meeting that there's still things to play for. Nobody is going to lay down. Nobody's going to quit. And I don't think, you know, I, I don't think that was a, a a concern either way. But, man, you you do. You're going to play against a Vanderbilt team that is going to be starving for this victory. It, it, it really feels like this is an opportunity where they can come in and they can take advantage of a wounded Tennessee team, one that had been at the top of college football for a, for a little bit of, of a stretch of time so far at this point this year. So I, I think that you, you're going to have to bring it, man. You're going to have to deep, you're going to have to uh, uh, dig deep and, and really find a way to bounce back after that South Carolina loss, because ultimately that was embarrassing and it left a bad taste in people's mouths. I mean, you had Kirk Herbstreet uh, on the, uh, you know the story better than I do, putting it up on Rocky Top Inside, but even Kirk Herbstreet, right, taking little jabs at Tennessee just throughout the college football playoff ranking show uh, on Tuesday night. So they they really have to get themselves in a better light uh, after this game, and they have an opportunity to do it on Saturday. No, you're right, they do. And, and I think that highlights all reasons this game, you know, it is a concern for Tennessee. So I think – all the question marks or at least the intrigues around the offense and what Joe Bell looks like just because of the long-term effects that that has. But I certainly think it, Tennessee's, you know, winning this game on Saturday is probably going to start with Tennessee's defense, especially if it is a messy, bad weather night in Nashville. 
Yeah, I I agree. But I also think that, you know, Tennessee is going to have to score points. And I'm interested to see how they do that with, the again, a banged up wide receiver room that's been so good for them this year, even with, you know, Ramel Keaton replacing Cedric Tillman. He, he's been fantastic. But Tennessee's offense going to have to score points. And so with Joe Milton adding into the mix, going to be interested to see what that looks like, right? How much different does that offense look like than what Hendon Hooker was running throughout the year? If you look back at what Joey Halsley said uh, at various points of the fall, he said that, hey, it's not going to be different. That's kind of the luxury that they felt like they had. So certainly plenty of things to look forward to this Saturday night when number 10 Tennessee takes on Vanderbilt, 7.30 p.m. Eastern time. That will be in Nashville. Ryan, you and I will both be there, so make sure to be uh, locked in and obviously follow. go ahead and uh, follow us for coverage along the way. But Ryan, we will have official predictions out for this on RockyTopInsider.com. What will it be? Uh, maybe, well, Thursday is Thanksgiving, so probably Friday, right? Yeah, Friday morning, maybe into early Friday afternoon. Cool. Well, that sounds great. Well, hey, let's go ahead and do this, Ryan. Let's go ahead and take a quick break here. Come back on the other side and then wrap up with just a couple of minutes of basketball conversation. Tennessee basketball taking on uh, a couple challengers in the battle for Atlantis, which will go across Thanksgiving. Should be a lot of fun. We will talk about it in just one second. We'll be right back. And now back to the show. The battle for Atlantis tips off tonight, which is Wednesday at 7.30 p.m. Eastern time for the Tennessee Volunteers. This will be a three-game tournament over a three-day stretch for Tennessee. Now, I'm sure as most people are listening to this right now, it's probably either Wednesday evening or it's probably Thursday morning. So Tennessee could have already had that first game on Wednesday night. If Tennessee defeats Butler here on Wednesday, they will play in the early game on Thursday, which is Thanksgiving. That would be at 1.30 p.m. Eastern time. If they happen to lose tonight's game, they'll play in the evening game on Thanksgiving. That'll be at around 6.30 p.m. Eastern time. Ryan, luckily for Cowboys fans like me, you know, that is America's team. That is perfect because it's right on both sides of our Thanksgiving game. But either way, Tennessee comes back to uh, to close things out on Friday. This is certainly going to be a nice little test for Tennessee here in the early season. Fortunately, though, Rick Barnes revealed some good news on Tuesday for the team. Euros Plavsic is expected to be back at some point during this tournament. Uh, he missed the last game against Florida Gulf Coast University with an ankle injury that was suffered against uh, Colorado in Nashville back on November 13th. So fortunately for Tennessee, they've really only had one game in this big 10-day stretch that he's been out, but it does look like the big man is going to be back for the volunteers for this tournament, according to Coach Barnes. Certainly good news for Tennessee. It'll be interesting to see what the starting lineups look like because Barnes was already kind of tinkering with that side of Plops' injury. Obviously, Plops' injury uh, opened up a door for, uh, I think they ended up going four guards in Josiah Jordan, James starting at the four and a little combo at the five. So that'll be interesting. And then, yeah, just a, a pretty strong tournament uh, for Tennessee. They got Butler tonight. Uh, one I would, you know, Tennessee, I think it's about seven point favorites, which spreads a little tighter uh, than I expected it to be. Butler first year. Uh, with Dad Mata as its head coach, or well, that's not actually true. First year with Dad Mata back as his head coach. Dad Mata spent uh, about four or five years uh, in Indianapolis at his alma mater before leaving uh, to Ohio State, where Tennessee fans know and they battled him out uh, a couple times in the NCAA tournament. Uh, I believe a win and a loss in the Sweet 16, and then the game two that'll uh, get IU at your BYU, and then on the other side of the bracket, uh, Kansas. Those games have already gotten going this morning, Kansas. Uh, won a pretty close game against North Carolina State. And then just as we've been talking about basketball on the podcast, Wisconsin held on to beat Dayton 
43 to 42. A Conzo Martin classic uh, down in the Bahamas uh, between Wisconsin and Dayton. So that's uh, that's the half of the bracket. And I think really more than anything, just it, it's a good field. It's not a, I wouldn't say it's a great field, or at least maybe not the high end teams out in Kansas. Uh, there's no, you know, real elite team. Or I think, I really think Tennessee Kansas are the only top 25 teams in the pool, but some good tests. And I think certainly opportunity for Tennessee to prove itself a little bit after it's showing its power five team being such a poor one against Colorado. I think it'll be one where Tennessee is players and as a team, they'll be eager uh, to kind of get out and show college basketball world that that team they saw against Colorado really wasn't uh, what this Tennessee team is going to be. Yeah. That game really was a, a stinker uh, in the mid state. Uh, again, the, the month of, the month of November has been a little bit cruel to Tennessee athletics in that sense, but they were able to to bounce back well against uh, FGCU, against Dunk City, just about a week ago. And that was a game where Tennessee was led by their veterans. I remember especially early in the game, right, to get that nice start, to get everything settled and under control. It was Vescovy, it was Kamwa, and, and it was Josiah Jordan-James who was leading Tennessee. And then everybody else kind of found their spot in that as well. And like you mentioned, Ron, one of the other things that I'm interested in is just see kind of going forward. Not that I think any of this is going to be definitive, but just because this is uh, clearly an early tinkering stage with the lineup. Uh, Zakai Ziegler, all, also a guy who was removed from the starting lineup after that second uh, Colorado game. He was the uh, backup point guard against um, Florida Gulf Coast just about a week ago. So like you, interested to see how Tennessee does these rotations, how Rick Barnes does the starting lineup. Uh, but certainly should be a good opportunity for Tennessee to get back out there on the court, hopefully get a a nice little win streak going, um, playing good basketball kind of here as we uh, as we wrap up November and move into December. Definitely. I think Justin Ganey, uh, associate head coach, we talked to him on Friday, the team left uh, for the Bahamas. He made you know an interesting point, and I thought it was a good one. It's like Tennessee's played three games in the first, what has it been, 16 days of the season? Uh, something like that. So it's been very spaced out. It's almost been yeah. play a game, have five days off, play five days off. Now they'll play three in three days. So I think that also will, will kind of present an interesting challenge for his team. And one where you would think the depth on his team would print through and it would be a good uh, a good stage uh, for them to display that. So Jemaine Mayshack will be able to see how he plays just to do. Uh, even Kobe Walker, if he gets some run, it'll be interesting to see how those guys perform. Certainly. So little bit of uh, Tennessee basketball on Thanksgiving. Ryan, obviously, I'm sure you and your family have some nice big plans for Thanksgiving. If you don't mind me poking around too much, uh, what, what, are, what do some of those plans include? Once again, I imagine the Cowboys game smack dab in the middle of the day is going to be a priority. I, I see. I'd imagine that's a priority in every household across, you know, across the land these days. I think we have uh, people, extended family will come over to my, my parents' house where I'm recording this out right now and uh, I think are they cowboy fans? No, oh. I don't think there's a whole lot of NFL fans uh, in my extended family that it will be coming over. But needless to say, the, the football games will be on uh, all throughout the day. Unfortunately, uh, I think the meal is going to be or maybe smack dab at the same time as the Tennessee game. If Tennessee is to win tonight against Butler, so it might be uh, sitting at a side table, kind of getting some and to, to keep up with it, but. No, it'd be good. Uh, Gail is always looking forward to. And we really, we actually had them about the best thing that happened in South Carolina on Saturday was they had a great meal, Thanksgiving meal for uh, the media, and they had the sweet potato casserole, which 
is my go my favorite thing about Thanksgiving because I never had it the whole entire year. Thanksgiving sweet potato casserole with the brown sugar, cinnamon uh, on top. We had it at South Carolina. Still won't be as good, uh, or still wasn't as good uh, for for what I'll get tomorrow homemade. But uh, that that's kind of uh, the, the big item I'm looking forward to. Are you cooking? Are, are you are you whipping anything up for the for the menu, or do you just sit back and you and you uh, enjoy the spoil of everybody else's labors? I enjoy the spoils of everybody else's labor. I help okay. cook Christmas breakfast. I help cook Christmas breakfast, but that uh, not, no things. I don't think anybody wants me having to mess with Thanksgiving meal. Too much, too <laughs> much uh, big time stuff going on. I, I would, I would only get in the way. Uh, you are, uh, you're, you're better to sit back and judge. It, it sounds like okay. Give me some of your, some of your top, uh, some of the top. I don't, man, there's always so many things to eat on Thanksgiving. I, I kind of wanted to say sides, but just. Give me some of your favorite parts to the meal. Like, what are you most looking forward to? Okay, I'll go to the top five. One, potato casserole. Two, simple, basic mashed potatoes, gravy. Three is something. Another one, classic example. You ignore get it the rest of the year. It's great food. I don't know why that's not a normal food that we serve at restaurants and we make and eat. Four, I'll go to turkey. And five, rounding out the top five. I'll go with the the cran cranberry dressing over the the bread. It's, I'll go with that over the bread, though. It, those are fighting it out, and wh- what exact what bread you get exactly can can put it over the, over the cranberry for for number five. Now, am I mistaken, or did I not hear any macaroni and cheese? Um, it's not a Thanksgiving food, so you'd be correct. Wait, but that's that's kind of a that's a that's a really shaky take. Hold on, hold on, because there's a lot of things that are going to be at the Thanksgiving table that aren't necessarily Thanksgiving food. What about the drink you consume with your meal? What about the dessert that you consume with your meal? Sometimes that's not always Thanksgiving. I feel like you are True. you are cheaply removing not even arguably just the best side dish. I don't care if you're seven years old or if you're 70 years old, Mac and cheese is the staple on everybody's plate across the land and you're dismissing it. Why? Well, I mean, well, I think I explained it. It's not Thanksgiving food. I had nothing on my list. It was what, what you said was accurate. There are some things that you will have that will not be Thanksgiving. What is a single one of them on my list? No, those, I actually I take that what, back. What, I guess what, bread, what, if bread is on there. There you go. No bread for you. What would you be drinking? Like a, a, what you'd be drinking spiked pumpkin cider. Well, will that be it? Well, I'm not saying that you can't have anything that's not Thanksgiving. I'm just saying I'm not going to, for ranking Thanksgiving <laughs> foods, I'm not going to include the food that's not Thanksgiving. And we won't have, we don't have, we don't have it uh, at the shopper house Thanksgiving anyway. But I have been, uh, had some Thanksgiving meals with, with mac and cheese. And obviously it's good. Mac and cheese is amazing. That's not it's it doesn't it doesn't break the rankings for me. Wow, that's that's fascinating. I, I I've heard a lot of Thanksgiving takes over my days, but I don't know if I've heard the take that macaroni and plays or macaroni and cheese is not in the rankings simply because it's not a Thanksgiving food. You know what? I'm really interested in this. I want to know what the people think. Obviously, it, whenever you're done listening to this, if you have a strong opinion, just take to Twitter because that's obviously where people get things done. And I want you to tag Ryan at R shop zero zero. I want you to tag myself because I want to spectate. I want to spectate the whole thing from the side as well. I want to know how how you really feel about this opinion because again, myself, I don't necessarily know if I agree with it. Would you say? Uh, how do you feel about that one? Well, I mean, I think you're probably right. There's a piece of people that disagree with me, but I think the 
the brave, the courageous, uh, the true hearted, red blooded Americans will tell there will be people in my corner as well. Question for you Do you have sweet potatoes at Thanksgiving? Yes. Okay. Do so you I? Have, you have both. Do hold on, hold on. Yes, yeah. they're they're present, but do I but have them? them? No. I'll be honest. It's not. It's not one of the ones that I go for. My theory was gonna be that maybe I feel like maybe people who families that don't like sweet potatoes they go mac and cheese instead. But that may be way off. Maybe people throw mac and cheese on top of the sweet potatoes and mashed potatoes. I, I'll Just tell you, you know what. I have a I have a family of picky eaters, maybe myself being at the top of that list. So there often is just a lot of things to choose from. There's no rhyme or reason to it. Ryan, you and I were randomly talking about a scatter plot on our way home from the South Carolina game. This is the same kind of situation. My yes. Thanksgiving is typically just the the Thanksgiving spread is typically just a scatter plot. It's a lot of different things. Some things may get substituted by year just on a whim. We don't know. We don't know. Uh, the one thing that doesn't change on the scatter plot is right smack dab in the middle the dallas cowboys america's team playing the good old american sport of football i can't wait for it and i can't wait for the uh i'm excited for the tennessee game on saturday as well no i know i am too and i'm i'm not you know i think this this stretch of days even before saturday i get saturday gets a little diluted since we're working it but you know wednesday two even two whole week it's the best it's the best first week of the whole year, college basketball. And then you get NFL games on Thursday. You get Ole Miss, Mississippi State on Thursday. You get Lane Kiffin leaving to go to Auburn probably on Friday. Uh, on top of uh, – uh, I say that in only a little bit of uh, a jest. But and then, Friday, again, more college basketball. Uh, you get Arkansas, Missouri, uh, and we get Florida, Florida State that night. Then, obviously, all weekend, uh, plenty of plenty of football. So, it's an awesome, awesome sports week, I, I think. I think it's my favorite on the calendar. I would listen to people who would say the week of the NCAA tournament. I would listen and hear you out. Uh, and I think you'd have a pretty pretty darn good argument to be made. But uh, I would still go with this one. Hey, careful sharing uh, too many Lane Kiffin rumors. You know, he's obviously got eyes everywhere. He might come True. out on his podcast. He might just announce, you know, that, that Ryan Shumpert out of nowhere is now leaving RTI to go to the Tennessean, right? Not true. Fake news. But, you know, you never know. So careful with the rumors. It's precedent has been set as of about two nights ago. <laughs> that's that's a great point. Uh, hopefully, you know, it's, it's a lot to assume of me that Lane's not a regular listener of the show. So I yeah, guess we'll exactly. figure out. Uh, I guess we'll figure out a day or two if he is or not. Hey, that is going to wrap it up for us here today on the podcast. Again, don't forget to look for the RockyTopInsider.com website. We will have predictions coming out on Friday for the Tennessee-Vanderbilt game on Saturday. We will also be locked in all three days, even through Thanksgiving. We will have you locked into Tennessee basketball coverage from the battle for Atlantis when the Tennessee Vols see what they can do on the court. Hey, we got a busy day, uh, busy couple days coming up next, but be sure to be, st- uh, to be staying tuned along for all of it. You can follow Rocky Top Insider on any different social media platform. You can follow us at Rocky Top Insider on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, TikTok, and YouTube. If you want to follow Ryan, you can do that at rshump00. If you want to follow myself, Rick Butler, you can do that at Rick underscore Butler as well. But again, make sure you're just checking out RockyTopInsider.com each and every day. So Ryan and I are posting all of our Tennessee news notes and coverage. And again, we will do our best to keep you updated as much as possible. Ryan, 
I, I think that's about it, my friend. Happy Thanksgiving to you and your family. I will uh, I will see you back on Saturday, I guess, Saturday for the football game. Yeah, sounds great. Happy Thanksgiving to you. Happy Thanksgiving out there to everybody listening, especially if you're listening on Thanksgiving. Appreciate you uh, spending a part of your day uh, listening listen to us break, break down the vaults. Yeah, no doubt about it. Hey, we are always thankful for the, all the all the people who give us support, whether it is on social media, whether it is on the website, whether it's through the podcast or through the videos. We are so thankful for everybody who tunes in to Rocky Top Insider, who supports us and where we are going. Don't worry. There are so many great evolutions coming ahead for Rocky Top Insider. You won't want to miss any of it as we move forward into 2023. But otherwise, that's going to wrap it up, wrap it up for us today. That's Ryan Shumpert. My name is Rick Butler. Thanks so much for listening to the RTI Press Pass. We will see you on Saturday after the Vanderbilt game.